Well, Happy New Year. Are you all as like fired up as I am for today? Just like, I get I'm biased, but I just can't imagine a better way to start the new year than proclaiming his glory in his name. Amen? Amen. Like, and then to get to do it with you guys as our family, like there's just no better way for January 1st. Like this might just have to be an annual thing that every January 1st, this is what we do. Forget the Rose Bowl, right? Like... Let's go vertical. And so today's a special Sunday. This is not like a normal Sunday where we're opening the book of Romans and we're walking through verse by verse. Today is a special Sunday and we're calling it prayer is the work Sunday. Now that's a phrase that again, we get from all sorts of dead theologians that have gone way before us, but it's a phrase that we've used at Vintage Grace since we launched the church. We said, hey, we're not planting a church. That sounds like work. Prayer is the work and God is making a joyful community of faith. Amen. And so it's nuanced, but those are like slightly different things. And so today we're going to take some time, really this week and next week, to look a lot at, at the why behind every what we do at Vintage Grace. And so next week is Vision Sunday, and today, before we can get to the vision of our church, we just want to start with the author of our church, the perfecter of our faith. His name is Jesus. He has come and he has overcome. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas. And so today we're going to stop. We're going to look at the why behind the what of prayer. In fact, prayer is a powerful reality that we get the opportunity to talk and that God listens to us. Is that crazy to anybody else or just me? And that he actually talks back to us. One of my concerns with prayer is that we talk too much. We don't listen enough in prayer. And so today's going to be unique. There's going to be chances for you to listen to God, not to, to someone on stage speaking, but to him speaking to you. In fact, so much of prayer is not us coming to God and saying, God, here's my agenda, but prayer is us really getting off the throne of our heart and saying, God, what's your agenda? Amen? And, and so that's what we're going to do today. And again, we talk a lot at Vintage about the why, because the depth of the why of everything will determine the length of what you do about it. That honestly, if you lose your why, you will lose your way. I don't know who to give these quotes credit to. I've just used them forever because the why changes and determines everything. And so today we're going to look at the, the why of prayer. We're going to look at the how of prayer. But before we do, can we just start with the who of prayer? We've said this before, vintage, who matters more than how? That prayer is literally us getting off the throne of our heart and looking up, not looking out. That's what prayer is. And so on a day, January 1st, where many of us are looking out at how are we going to tackle the world, can we just take a deep breath right now? The world is loved by God and the world has been overcome, the evil of the world, and redeemed back to him. And so, so much of prayer is just relaxing. It's taking a deep breath. It's reminding us of the truth of the gospel, that Jesus has come. That's not a Christmas season. That's a reality of every day of our life. And that he's overcome the world. And now we get to come to God in prayer. And so this week and next week, I'll be looking specifically about the why behind the what. We're going to look today at the Lord's Prayer. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew. We're going to go to the Lord's Prayer. I'll put the verses up on the screen, but we're going to start with the who over the how. Because Jesus in the Lord Prayer, he says, pray this way. He says, this is how you pray. But before we look at the how, I want to focus on the who. Here's one of my fears for the Lord's Prayer. Now, again, this is going to be like a 10-minute New Year's devotional. So I'm going to leave a lot on the table, which means you can pick up the book on your own and read it all day today. There's so much about the Lord's Prayer. But I'm afraid that as young believers, we think the Lord's Prayer is something that we get for like a certain season a certain moment of crisis, maybe a certain holiday, and we're like, oh, I know, I'll say the Lord's Prayer. That'll work. In fact, people have asked me, why do you cross yourself? Because for me, it's a reminder of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is not done in trite. Nothing that we do is done in rhetoric or rout. My prayer is everything we do goes back to the who sits on the throne of our heart. 
And so in prayer, I think that's actually where Jesus starts. See, you can't just read the Lord's Prayer. You got to see what builds into the Lord's Prayer. And you're like, Drew, you don't have time for that. Not a 10-minute devotional. I'll just keep talking faster. Are you with me? Here's before the Lord's Prayer, chapter 6, verse 1. Here's what Jesus says. Beware of practicing your righteousness, whatever that looks like. Your time, your treasure, your talent, any righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Really, all of life is about who sits on the throne of your heart. There is a reward when it's your father who sits in heaven. Look up, don't look out. Now, he's going to parse that in all sorts of ways in chapter 6. He's going to parse that in fasting after the Lord's Prayer. Before the Lord's Prayer, he says, how about the way that you give? Pay attention to how you give. Is it about the who or is it about the how? What you're going to see in verse 1 In verse 4, you're also going to see it in verse 6. Three times Jesus repeats himself. This is about the Father. This isn't even about you. We think it's about us and what we do. It's always about the Father. So in verse 2, in verse 1, he said, Father, reward. In verse 4, he says, this is about your Father who will reward you. So church, pay attention to how you pray. There's a reward that's coming. Why? Because prayer is about the intimacy of your heart. Jesus wants for us what he has with the Father. He says, Lord, in John 17, he says, Lord, make them one as we are one. He wants to give us interdependence with the Father, the Son, the Spirit, three in one. That's what prayer is. Prayer is getting off the throne of your heart and saying, God, I surrender all. In fact, the text goes on. He says, pay attention to how you give. Do you give where you want everyone to see you? Because if you do, then that's your reward. Or do you give because you actually think that Jesus sits on the throne of your heart and that's what makes your life good. At Vintage, we say this, that God is good all the time and what? Don't miss that. Your giving shows whether you believe that or not. What do you spend your money towards? Why does Jesus talk about money so much? Because money helps you identify what sits on the throne of your heart. So from money then, he goes to praying. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, just like he said about giving. When you pray, is it so that other people would see you or is it so that you would get off the throne of your heart and that you would be with God? What is the why behind the what of your giving? What is the why behind the what of your praying? He says this, truly, truly, they will receive their rewards if it's about people looking and saying, wow, that person's a good prayer. Wow, that person's a good giver. No, no, when you pray, kingdom people, go into your room. That room can be translated as the storeroom, which is where they store their, their what? Their treasure. Why? Because money and prayer, two things almost more than anything, reveals what sits on the throne of your heart. You ever notice that? Like, you don't spend money on things you don't care about. If you do, you're dumb. Can I say that at church? You don't pray about things that don't matter. Why? Because you don't care about them enough to pray about them. And so your prayer life really goes back to this. What sits on the throne of your heart? More importantly, who sits on the throne of your heart? I pray it's your father who sees you in secret because he will actually reward you because God is good all the time. It's this posture of your prayer. He goes on in verse seven. And when you pray, do not heap empty phrases up like the Gentiles do. I think that goes all the way back to 1 Kings 16, that even the prophet of Baal, people would come and pray and they would pray long. In fact, I heard this the other day. Church was, was cold the last couple of weeks in El Dorado County. It's actually colder other places in the world. You do know that, right? My buddy in Kansas City said it this way. He says, anyone excited to go to church for three hours, but we're going to be outside and it's going to be negative temperature. He's a pastor in Kansas City. He's like, because a lot of people are going to the Chiefs game today. You know what I'm saying? Because what you spend money on and what you pray about reveals this. So be careful how you give. Be careful what you pray about. Don't be like the prophets of Baal. They prayed for a long time too. Empty words of Babel. Be paying attention to the posture of your heart. Do you pray like the heathens? You know what the heathens pray for? The heathens pray that they would be blessed. 
But blessed to them means that their reputation is good. Blessed to them means that they have a lot of money. Blessed to them means that, that they look good. Blessed in the kingdom of God isn't about you at all. James is very direct. Blessed in the kingdom of God is that you would look more like Jesus. That's what blessed means in the kingdom of God. Blessed in the kingdom of God means you get off the throne of your heart. Blessed might mean that you have less, but if you have Jesus, you have everything. Amen? Amen. And so again, as we talk about prayer today, may we reflect on the posture of our heart that prayer is not about us bringing ideas to Jesus saying, God, here's my heart. Prayer is about getting off the throne of our heart and saying, God, what's your heart? I want more of that because when I have your heart, I have everything. I don't need anything else. And so again, he says, don't pray like the Gentiles, these empty words, because they think if they just talk longer, they'll be heard better. That's not true. Speaking as a preacher, it doesn't work. Verse 8 do not be like them. Why? Because your father knows what you need before you ask. But pray like this. And I'm looking at the timer going, I don't care about the timer. I got one minute in my 10-minute Devo. Here we go. Now here's the Devo. Pray like this. Here's how you pray. Jesus did not just come to die for your faith. He came to show you how to live in the kingdom. He came to show you how to get off the throne of your heart. And he says, pray like this. This is not a prayer just for when you're in down times. This is not just a prayer for Paul when he's in prison or Drew when he's in the cancer ward. This is for every day living in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, pray this way. Let me model it for you. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You've heard this prayer before. He says, our father to the Jews, that was crazy talk. You did not have intimacy with God like a father. He starts there. He says, I want to invite you in to the best relationship you will ever have, the best thing you'll ever have in your life, and that's God sitting on the throne of your heart. He is our Father. Notice the word our. Every other verse I just read, it's your Father. What's he say? When we get in the house of the Lord, you know why there's joy in the house of the Lord? Because we collectively share a Father. Communitas is a common master first, mission second. That's communitas for us at Vintage. Our Father. We were dead in our sin, but... God makes us alive in Christ, and that makes God our Father again. He never left us, but we rejected him. That's what we've been seeing in Romans. We'll pick that up in a couple of weeks. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, what? Your will be done. I'm off the throne of my heart. That's prayer. Jesus doesn't just model this in his prayer life. He models this in his actions. Why? Because prayer, apart from action, I think is cheap. If you pray about it, do something about it too. It's both and. See, prayer is recognizing God's sovereignty. He's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be his name. And yet also my passion, Jesus' passion, is for the glory of God. Jesus' passion is that other people would be invited into the kingdom that he is Lord of. He says this, my passion and purpose is for God's glory, number one. At his crucifixion, he sits in the garden. What does he say? God the Father, if there's a better way to save vintage grace and all of humanity, can we do it that way? And the Father Father says no and then what does Jesus say not my will but thy will that's what he's saying here your kingdom come may that be the passion may our prayer life this year reflect our passion for the kingdom and if you lack a passion for the kingdom you're probably in the right place because everyone in this room does it's why we gather. It's why we repent regularly. It's why we get off the throne of our heart and we say, God, you're the father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We want to be about your kingdom, not about my kids, not about my money, not about my health or my wealth. I want to be about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think there's this thin line between heaven and earth. He identifies it in verse 11. Give us this day our what? daily bread. That doesn't mean we go to church at Christmas time. It doesn't mean we go to church on New Year's for a special prayer service. It means it's a daily thing. Every morning we get up and we say, God, what are you inviting me into today? The first thing is stay off the throne of your heart. That's your seat, Father. 
Give us our daily bread. Way too often we think that there's physical things and spiritual things. The line between heaven and earth is thin. Nothing is physical. Everything is sacred. And so don't miss that this year in 23. Everything, daily bread. He takes a physical thing, but he says, no, 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 don't miss. Way too often our prayers are for our needs, but it really reveals our greed. And then that's what we need to repent of. Anyone else ever had to repent while they were praying to God or just me? Like, while you're praying, you're like, dang it. I just crept right up on the throne during that prayer. And that was a lot about me and not at all about him. Guys, again, if we're good at repenting, we catch ourselves, we say, Spirit, thank you for that conviction. I repent. Can we go back to this prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That's my passion. That's my purpose. Give me this daily bread for your kingdom, not for me, but for your kingdom. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. I love that when he says this, he assumes that we're forgiving people. Does anyone else in the room struggle with forgiveness? That's not a luxury for kingdom people. We don't hold on to bitterness or bitterness holds on to us. It's either or. You can't have both. Notice when Jesus says, this is how we pray in the kingdom. We forgive. We do not hold grudges. Church, we've said this before. We have no enemies in the church. Enemy means you wish harm upon somebody. Do kingdom people wish harm upon anybody? Never. Not Dodger fans. Not Laker fans. Nobody. Nobody. Now, do they wish harm upon us? Yes. That's not our problem. That's about their relationship with God that's broken. Our passion is his kingdom come, which means our passion is that they meet our Jesus. Pay attention to how you pray. It reveals what you care about. Forgive us our debts, assuming as we have also forgiven our debtor. Jesus says, if you live in the kingdom, this is your prayer life. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pay attention, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says very clearly that God does not tempt us beyond what we can handle. Why? Because if we've been given prime rib, I don't know what you ate last night, but I bet it was a better meal than average. If we've been given the best, we stop settling for Taco Bell. And no metaphor truly communicates how good God is and how little we settle for in sin. Don't miss this. Lead us not to temptation. Why? Keep us clearly focused on how good you are, God. So when I see the sin of this world, I'm actually not tempted because I see it for what it is. It's rubbish. Amen? Amen. That's why we repent because we keep putting rubbish on the throne of our heart. Lead us not to temptation, but instead deliver us from evil. Change our affections. Help us to believe, God, that your better is better. Help us to believe that blessed in your kingdom is not that I have everything. It's that I have the only thing that matters. It's that I have you, Jesus. If we live this way, we would never boast in our strength because we don't have that much. Amen? We would never tell people to look at us because we want them to look at him because greater is he that is in us than even us or he that's in the world. We don't desire trials, but we embrace them. Why? Because the gaps in life are real and the gaps give us a chance to pray. And when we pray, there's power given to us. And so guess what's gonna happen in 23? You've heard me say it before. You're either in a trial, you're coming out of a trial, or maybe in 23, you're like, this is such a good year. That's just because you're getting ready to step into a trial, but the trials are not to be avoided. They're to be embraced because God is with you in that place. And so as we pray today, may we remember, as we start 2023, may we remember that he is Lord. Verse 14 goes on and says this. Now, in between there, some uh, translations say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. I don't think that was in the original text, but it's a great line. It's where we get our doxology from. It's from the Lord's Prayer. Verse 14, and if you forgive others' trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is not if then earning your salvation. 
So pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. It's similar to James. He never says that good works will lead you to salvation. What he says is, if you have salvation, it'll lead you to good works. In the same way, don't miss, he's not saying, well, if you forgive people, then God will forgive you. He's saying, since you've been forgiven by God, you Christian church, you kingdom people, you forgive regularly, amen? All the time, because we have no enemies. And why? Because we as people love, give, pray, and forgive to the depth in which we've been forgiven. I wanna invite you to grab your communion elements. Here's how we wanna start 2023. We want to start at the throne of our heart and remembering that communion is all about grace. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's about you and the Father. You took his seat, and yet communion is a chance for us as his saints, our Father, to get off the throne of our heart, to repent, and then to just pause. Man, I love being with you on this mission because we collectively together have a Father who saw us in our sin, and he didn't leave us there. He didn't leave us there. He came and he entered our mess and he became one of us and he took our sin and our shame. And so communion's a time for us as believers to pause and to pray, but not to say as much as to receive his grace. And so we're preparing our hearts right now for this prayer service. And so here's how we're gonna start. We're gonna start with saying, Father, you sent your son. Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he gathered his disciples in this moment, the sacred space. On a holiday, we call it Good Friday now. And he broke the bread and he passed it. And if you love Jesus, this is his body given to you, broken to you. Take this in remembrance of him. And he passed the cup and he said, this is the sign of the new covenant. This is my blood that's gonna be poured out for you. As you start 23 with all your dreams and desires, would you remember the first step is to repent and to receive. His body broken for you and his blood shed for you. Take this in remembrance of him. And so, Jesus, we receive your gift, your body, your blood. We pause, we remember, we reflect, we repent. And church, right now, I just want to give you a moment to listen. You just received his life and his death. You've received his model for his prayer. Will you just open your hands on your laps right now and just receive what the Spirit has for you? During this prayer service, we're going to talk to God, we're going to listen to his people, and then we're going to listen to him. And so, Spirit of God, for this next minute or two, would you just speak to us? We've received your life. We've received your death. Would you fill us right now, we pray.